In today's episode, Mark, Amy, and I sit down and we talk about how to create the life that you want. This episode couldn't be coming at a better time. It seems like everything is changing in our world today, and there isn't a better time to sit down and try to create the life that you really want. Let's get started. Welcome to the Affiliate Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this podcast, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll get to witness healings as well as hear from my mentors, teachers, and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for the last 14 years. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, I'm here with Amy and Mark again, and we are going to talk about how we create the life that we want. So Amy... Right. So I'm going to ask the question, how do new listeners or anybody out there, how do we create the life that we want? I mean, where do we start? So for me, when I back in uh, 2006, I started with meditation. It wasn't really intentional at the time. I was doing it because I needed to calm down, right? So one of the components of creating the life that you want is that you really do need to calm down. Like you really need to get to know yourself for a couple of reasons. One, when we're quiet, we can assess where we're at in our lives. Like we can check in with our body, see if our body is healthy or, or has been suffering in some ways. But um, more importantly, I think what we do automatically after we sit down a couple of times and we're, we get to know our lives and what's really going on and paying attention to most things in our lives, we start to realize the thoughts that we're having. I mean, I remember just listening to how boring I was and I kept thinking like, why are you worried about what you're buying at the grocery store? Like, this is not the time. Like that doesn't even matter. Like (laughs) this is dumb. You get consumed by these silly things and you just can't get out of it. Right. So the first thing you have to be aware of those thoughts and that's what meditation does. Right. And honestly, I think that part of our body really is scared to go there. So like, I think that maybe one of the protection mechanisms might be to like, keep thinking about what you want to get at the grocery store. So the best way to describe it is I would have a thought like I need to go to the grocery store and get, you know, whatever it was. I would literally think about picking it up and setting it aside, like putting it on a table. So Mm -hmm. it really just kind of like had a place to go, but like it wasn't occupying my mind. So I started there and then I realized, okay, so that's a really boring thought. I'll move it over. But then you start to realize that like you're not happy in life and where you're not happy. And then it began like, you know, why, why am I not happy? You know, what can I do to change that? Like, is there some action I can take, which now I know is like coming from this place of empowerment, right? Like, what can I do to change my circumstances rather than feeling like I don't have any control over my circumstances? So that shift is important. So like I started doing something about what I was thinking about, obviously not the grocery shopping. I wasn't getting up and grocery shopping because that was taking me away from really trying to create the life that I wanted. So I really do believe that one of the first things that we need to start with is meditation to create the life that we want. And then we need to get clear about the thoughts that we're having. So like what's lining up with the life that we want and what's not. So, and then I started going through this like selection process of like, 
Okay. Why do we feel like we have a cap on how much we can make? Who told us that? Where did that come from? Is that something that I want to keep? Right. And then I just moved on to more deeper thoughts. Like what's behind that? Like, oh, I'm not good enough to be somebody who makes a lot of money or whatever it may be. Right. Going into that trauma. Your thoughts and judgments and then looking at each of them and saying, does this make sense? Does this serve me? What do I do with this information? Totally. Yeah. So at that time, I, you know, I was listening to people and the seeker came out and they were like, positive thinking, positive thinking. And I'm all for positive thinking, truly, because it, it is a component of looking at your thoughts and being like, okay, that's not a quote unquote positive thought. Right. And I started doing some gratitude where like I carried around a rock in my pocket and every time I touched it, like I said what I was grateful for. And I really think that helped to shift my mindset, my energy, but also really helped me to fall asleep. So I was a teacher in New York City. I was working a really stressful job prior to me making a transition into meditation and all that. That was the reason why I started meditating. But it used to take me two hours to fall asleep. Two hours is a long time. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I can talk about now how I've even hacked my sleep even further. But just saying what I was grateful for caused me to fall asleep in 10 seconds a minute. It was a such a drastic wow. jump. And I really believe that it, it switches you into receiving mode, right? So like when you're saying what you're grateful for, you're like, oh, all is well. Like I'm okay. I have the things that I need. Things are going well. Things are on the right track, you know? And you're just like, oh, okay. And then that's how you receive sleep. So I think I was always like kind of going after sleep, you know, um, mm-hmm. being like, oh, I'm so like too much. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. I mean, when you struggle with that. I mean, it's anxiety and it's your thoughts that keep you up. So what you're saying is that if you change those thoughts to thoughts that bring you joy and you're feeling the gratitude, then you relax your mind. And Yeah. And when I first started, it was a little bit of a struggle to be saying what I was thankful for. I mean, you say whatever, 10 things, but then <laughs> you're like, okay, what's next? And then you're like, I'm thankful for flowers. <laughs> I'm thankful for, yeah. You know, you just need to go wherever, right. you know, as long as you're saying really what you're actually thankful for, but um, it doesn't have to be, I'm grateful for my job. I'm grateful for my kids. You know, after you got past all those things and you, you might need to come up with some things. But I remember the moment when I fell asleep so fast that I hadn't said what I was grateful for. Like I got into bed and I just fell asleep and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot to say what I was thankful for. And then I was like, oh, I could just do that in the morning. Right. <laughs> but, but I felt guilty yeah. that I had, you know, yeah. not done that process. Right. I go through that very thing actually, because I, well, first I've changed my routine a little bit, but before I would get out of bed, I would think about all the things that I'm grateful for. The moment you op- uh, moment, the moment you opened your eyes. Yes. And that's something I learned from a spiritual mentor that I have, Jeff Hammer. He said, you know, right when you open your eyes, start thinking about what you're grateful for. And it works really well for me. The issue that I was having is I was starting to feel like if I forgot something that I know I'm grateful for, then then I then they I know everything off. <laughs> I turned everything off, you know. Oh, and, and man. Sometimes I was I was spending a little too much time because I would sit there and really think about, okay, what am I grateful? What? So there has to be a good, I guess, healthy balance, which I've come to. There's no wrong or right answer. Right. It's just to bring right. you happiness and to make you realize that you have all these amazing things in your life. And and with that said, is Jeff had mentioned that the first thing you should do. A lot of people pick up their phones. A lot of people go on, they look at the news. They go onto social media, and you're letting all that energy into your mind, your soul, the second you wake up. Right, and, and you really need to set the tone. And when you set the tone, either you know doing meditation or gratefulness before you go to sleep, or when you wake up, 
it's setting the tone for how you want the rest right. Of the and they talk about that being everybody else's agenda. I think that's uh, Brendan Burchard talks about you're engaging with everybody else's agenda, but yours when you do that. Right. Um, but they also call that the golden hour. So like that, there apparently there's this this energy at that time where you're most able to start creating the things that you want. Like you have the most clarity, I guess, because you just woke up. But anyway, so that that is really important saying what you're grateful for, because it really does raise your vibration. And I really think that it helped me on this path when I was first starting out. So, you know, meditation and then positive thinking, saying what you're grateful for. But ultimately, what we want to be doing is cleaning up our energy, right? That's what those things are doing is finding the trauma, finding the disconnect, finding the places that maybe we aren't grateful for and moving them out. So we want to meditate. We want to be positive. We want to say what we're grateful for. It's going to raise our vibration. We're going to start to uh, change our energy field by doing those things. And that's ultimately like the key to changing your life is really, in my opinion, if your energy is not in the way or vibration that you want it, you're going to struggle to get the things that you want. Right. So that's my only problem with positive thinking because you can be like, oh, I want that Porsche. Like I remember in the secret, they talked about that. It irritated a lot of people. And it's like, you know what we have to look at is like a lot of people don't feel like they deserve a Porsche. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one person had said to me, probably you, you know, you have to it has to seem likely. You have to believe it. You have to believe that it's possible. I mean, you can't say, I'm going to be a football player and, you know, not have any skills and not (laughs) going to ever do it and become a football player. Even if, you know, you have to align, right? Your vibration level has to, has to match it. Right. Right. So that disconnect where you're like, well, that's ridiculous. I don't have any skills to be a um, a football player. Like that's there, you know? Right. You have to remove that. Right. Well, and think about that. You know, they said they recommend that you, it's like a total body experience, right? When you're trying to envision your new life, like if you want to be a football player, you have to feel what it feels like to be a football player. Right. And if you've never trained for it, you're not going to feel it. Um, And I remember in the secret, they had, you know, the guy pretending to sit in, in the Ferrari and be like, And well, that's good, like, because it was a total body experience, but it can be so foreign for people to be at the helm of like a really powerful piece of machinery and own it. And, you know, so there's that disconnect within the body, but there's also the energy behind the energy, which is, you know, my dad couldn't afford one or I can't afford one or why do I deserve that? Or it could just be that you're going to grab a lot of attention by having such a beautiful car and, you know, people are going to be like throwing energy at you and your body's like, well, I can't handle that. So that might not bring it into your experience. So so that's what blocking your abundance. Basically. Exactly. Right. Like, because think about that. Like, it's one of the things that we've worked on with you, Amy, and, and even myself, you know, is creating like this podcast is going to create attention. And it's like, is that okay? Am I okay with that? You know, is my body feel safe with that? And we worked on that and we've both gotten to places where we're like, whatever, <laughs> it is what it is. Like yeah. this is, this makes us happy. You know, this brings joy for us, but we had to move that energy out in order for it to be in alignment and, and successful. Right. So, you know, I do believe that it is something that we need to feel again, you know, in our body in order to, to bring that life in but we need to go inward and find the programs and the energy that's stuck. It's unbelievable to me, like what can be stuck with people. So having the job that you really want 
could be related to back when you were in second grade giving a presentation to your whole class and it went poorly, right? Right. It could be related to people not hearing um, you when you asked for something over and over and over again for a really long period of time, feeling like your needs aren't going to be met. Right. I remember a while ago, you had told me a story that stuck with me and that there's trauma. People might not know that there's trauma in their life, but there might have been something that happened that was so innocent, but the way that it's perceived by that child makes this imprint in your mind and it affects the rest of your life. And you told me a story about a woman that she never felt she was good enough. And it came down to basically when she was very young, her mom was helping her make cupcakes and was making it on the counter, but the the little girl wanted to help. So she brought it to the floor so she could reach it. But the little girl interpreted that, that she wasn't good enough to be up at the counter. And that really affected her. And I think about that. It it can be so innocent as that. And then what happens is the brain's like, oh, okay, I'm not good enough. It's not like a real judgment in that area. Like, it's not like she was conscious of it, but then it started to frame how she saw the rest of her life. And that's called your reticular activating system. There's so much input that's coming in all the time from lights to sounds to smells. Like, to the energy that we feel in our body that our brain's like, all right, I got to do something to save time. (laughs) I'm just going to find the things that line up with this experience. And so then all of a sudden, you know, she's at school and she's about to get picked for a team for the gym class and she isn't picked. And she's like, oh, I know why that happened. I'm not good enough. Remember when mom didn't let me go to the counter? And then it's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, it's starting to get embedded in the brain and the neural network. And then it's like the next thing shows up and she's like, oh, I know how to handle that. I'm not good enough. And then it becomes this program that she operates the rest of her life from, which she never even wanted to have, but only picked it up because she was from the ages of zero to seven and you're in a different brain state. So like one of the reasons why I love tapping is because you don't need to know about that story. Like it's great that I can see that and I can tell her and I can say, okay, this is what's going on. Your body remembers it. Your body keeps the score. There's a book out there about that. And that's really what's going on is like, we want to tap and we want to move that energy out of like, this is not something that I want to have. Or like she could have started and say, why can't I get the job that I want? And when she starts tapping on it, the energy from that time of not being on the counter comes out. That's what I've seen. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you. So that's a really good point. So, cause a lot of times I'll call you and I'll be like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel weird or this is bothering me and you can kind of help isolate it. But you'll sometimes say, just tap on feeling anxious or just tap on whatever you're feeling and it'll come out. Yeah. I mean, it's really super cool that I can see what's going on in people's bodies and the neural network and and all that, but I don't think it's necessary. It just takes a little longer for your body to like kind of move the layers out rather than me going in and pulling up by the roots as, as I say. But ultimately, what we really want to focus on, and I've talked to you a lot about this, Amy, is just to really focus on how we're using our sixth chakra. So the sixth chakra is located over where the third eye is. It's over the brain. Yeah. So eyebrows. mm -hmm, Right. So the sixth chakra is all about how we can either project what we want to the world, like sending messages, obviously, through our brain waves, or we can be sensing the environment and then deciding how we're going to react. So like, if we're sensing and deciding, we're not coming from our internal locus of control. We're not like creating the life that we want. We're reacting to life. So that shift of being like, no, I'm going to project out what I want is what you're doing in meditation. So like when you visualize 
you know, what you want, which is when I say meditation, Mark was so cute. Like he asked me the other day, he's like, wait a second, what do you use meditation for? I'm confused. <laughs> so Mark, right. like, because I've always looked at it as something where you're trying your best not to think about anything in particular. So when you tell me, oh, I'm going to go meditate on that, I get confused because I'm thinking, well, if you're going to meditate on that, you can't be thinking about that. So how, what <laughs> right, are you so doing? Yeah, explain the different types of meditation. Right. So meditation can be just about like that process of setting aside your thoughts and putting like them on the table if they're not useful and clearing your energy. I've done a lot of work over the last 14 years that I, I have so much control over my thoughts that I don't really need to take that time more than maybe a minute or two. So I, before I do meditate, I am clearing my energy um, I go through a different, uh, a specific protocol and then I call back my energy and make sure that I'm me, you know, before I start to manifest the things that I want. And then I use meditation to connect with my higher self, the quantum field, and start sending some information out to the world, like what it is that I want to create. That's like the very focused intention and time that I use to communicate with spirit or to create the things that I want. So that's the difference. Does that make sense, Mark? Yes, it does. Oh, and I hate that people say that meditation is all about the absence of thought. That is impossible. I shouldn't say impossible. It's nearly impossible. The only times that I could say that possibly I connected with like the absence of thought and just, it's so odd, but I was connected to the quantum field or if you want to say God or the universe, however it looks for you. Yeah, it was pure consciousness. Some people call it that that's when I felt like I have no thoughts, but I had all feeling, um, Mm. which is weird because then it does need to go through your brain. But I felt so connected with everyone. Like what happens to me happens to you. I felt supported. I felt the, the hands of God, like everything. Like I felt just this amazing connection. And Was that in one time? Or no, you- no. So then once you do that once, you just want to continually connect. Right. You're like, oh my God, this feels amazing. So in that time, I would say that possibly there's a lack of thought, but like that is not what happens in most meditations. A lot of people fear meditation. A lot of people are like, I can't, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's a practice. I am constantly practicing, but are there tips that you want to give people that are trying to start meditation of what they might want to try or different ways they want to try to see what works for them? Sure. I was terrified to meditate actually. So I understand, I think because the more stuff that you have to work out, the scarier it probably is. Um, That's just my opinion. I mean, I had a lot of stuff to work out. I had a lot going on. I also was in fight or flight mode big time. So the opposite of fight or flight would be meditation. And so it was just a huge swing for my body. And I was reluctant to really sit there and and do that. I remember, in fact, actually, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was so checked out about things that like, I (laughs) I would get a bill in the mail and it would be like for the gas company. And I'd be like, I think pretty much I paid like $40 last week and I would just send the money. So like some days it was crazy. Like it's so nuts. Like why didn't I open up the letter? I don't know. I really was so checked out. I was young, but um, yeah, I just, I was so go, go, go. I was like, I don't have time for that. Like I, I got things I got to do, but it's like, that's important. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so I was, I was super scared to sit down and meditate and I call it like a dare. So 
Fenella, my partner now, she actually at the time dared me. I, well, she, sorry, she didn't call it a dare. I perceived it as a dare because I was so scared, but I was so proud and I am a very competitive person that I was like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to meditate. Like, there's no reason you can't get off the couch for 15 minutes. Like just sit there and take coffee with you if that's what you have to do. But, get off the couch. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're in timeout. Like I, and so that's what I looked at it as. And then eventually like I enjoyed it. I felt good afterwards and, and it just worked up to two hours. So that but was- When you started, did you like listen to music? Did you- Yeah. I mean, back then it was CDs. So like I picked up a CD from Target and it had like these waves that were going in and out along with music. And yeah. there was like a 45 second to like maybe a minute of this perfect music. And I used to just go back, go back, go back, go back, you know? And I used to hear that. Like, it's amazing. I wonder, I'm surprised I didn't break it. Because that there was something about that that just really put me into the space where like colors were starting to come in and waves of energy. And then all of a sudden I was connecting to some things that um, I honestly was not expecting to connect to. So yeah, that's how I started. And I can say that how I've started because I, I think I even said this on the first podcast we did. I was hesitant as well with meditation. And so I would first just do it like at a minute a day. And I would build up from there. But one of the other things I was trying to do was I would listen to uh, ocean wave crashing, right? And I would try to focus on, and I still do, try to focus on those waves. And I'm picturing those waves hitting. And you know how when they kind of retract, you kind of hear that little hissing type of noise as they're retracting, you know, and I would just focus on those sounds and being in that kind of comfortable place for me at the beach is another way I would do that. Music for me distracts me because then huh. I end up starting to like sing in my head or, you know, <laughs> sing along with Analyze it, it or anticipate when right. it's going to be over. Right. Exactly. So I try to just listen to something more like a white noise type of thing. Uh, and the other thing I do also learn from Jeff is box breathing. Just yeah. to focus on your breath. You know, I would take four seconds in, hold it for four seconds and then release for four seconds. That can become very automatic as well. You know, your brain will start getting used to that and then it will wander. Uh, So, you know, I'll do things like even focusing on the numbers. I'll visualize a number one, a number two, a number three, just to get myself back into that state where I'm trying not to think too much. That's so great. You know, what? with the waves, um, I, I later learned that what I was doing was breathing out of my heart and then back in. Um, and that is part of heart math is this like um, rhythm, obviously. And, you know, it's no, no coincidence that I was, you know, the waves are really what helped. And for you, the waves help. So there's something, I mean, I think it probably connects you with nature. It's very rhythmic. It's very uh, natural. So for people that are starting out, is the what is the goal? Is the goal just to just be aware, like looking at yourself? I mean, what is the goal of meditating when people are starting? Like, are they, people say, you know, you're not supposed to think of anything and that's not true. You're supposed to be aware of your thoughts and view them. Or, you know, what are your thoughts to give people that are starting out what the goal is? I would just say whatever feels good. I would sit there um, just taking the few moments. I think naturally our body is going to eventually figure out, first of all, what works for us, but also get in alignment with this um, understanding. And it's because your intention is to, let's say, calm down because that was what mine was. So you'll start to align, align with that. So you'll, your body will calm down. And then in that space, then it's like, oh, wait a second, why, I, why do I still have that job? Like, I hate it. You know, mm-hmm. things just start to happen naturally, right? 
and that's basically all that I would say the goal is, is just to feel good from it if you can, but everybody's going to have different goals. And, and so look at the intention of why you're starting this. Is it to advance like a spiritual practice? Is it just to calm down because your doctor said <laughs> your anxiety is too high or whatever, you right. know, like everybody's got their, their right. reason. You almost can set your intention before you meditate and then. For sure. Right. Well, so it's interesting that you say that. So one of the things that I just recently realized is essentially what we're doing when we set those intentions. So let's say your doctor says you have anxiety, you should sit down and start meditating. Obviously, that's probably the last thing that somebody who has anxiety wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. Because their mind already feels like it's racing. But if your intention is to be a person who does not have anxiety, what you're essentially doing, energetically speaking, is making an imprint in the future of someone who doesn't have anxiety. That's what your brain and energy are doing. That's like the goal or the intent, right? And what energetically is happening is you're starting to entangle with that new reality of being a person without anxiety. So anytime that you're sitting in meditation, if you're there for 10 minutes, five minutes, one minute, you're having a moment of being entangled with that new reality because you're taking a step towards that new reality, clearly, like by sitting down in meditation. Right. But the interesting thing is, is that when you're entangling with that new reality, you're going to, let's say, start hearing some of those thoughts. So then you're going to start to nitpick at those thoughts and like, you know, say, okay, which one of these is serving me? Which one's not serving me? And that again is like, entangling with that new reality where the person on the other end has the job that they want because, you know, maybe the reason for their anxiety is that they hate their job and they're just not even paying attention to it. I think that what, what really, really hit it home for me was just this word of entanglement. I mean, that's what I do with any client that I work with from a distance is I'm entangling with their energy this is like an intentional entangling with the thing that you want. (laughs) So when we entangle with that future reality and that vision of ourselves, we start to feel what it would feel like to be that person. So you can ask yourself questions like, what does a person with no anxiety feel like? And then try to remember those moments and stack the evidence of, oh, I'm not always in anxiety. I know what it feels like to feel relaxed. Or I know what it feels like to feel bliss or to let go. And then you just start remembering those feelings and what it felt like in your body. And again, it's like ping, ping, ping to that new reality. And then you're entangling with that new reality and pulling it towards you until it becomes your reality. Right. And then going back to it feels, you believe it. Right. Because you know what it feels like. You've seen it. You can almost taste it or whatever it is. You are entangled with it. So that's what it means to have, you know, your vibration levels match, right? And that's the law of attraction. You know, we want to clean up this, meaning our energy, so that we can pull in the experiences that we want. We're entangling with that new future reality. We have to have the same vibration as that future reality. To a certain degree, there has to be enough in here that matches. And so finding the things that don't match, like somebody who has anxiety, somebody who has a a job that they don't like, somebody who has thoughts that they aren't controlling, somebody who isn't connecting with nature, somebody who isn't connecting to the quantum field, get those things out and rewrite the energy and the um, signature, and then it'll match the new future reality. So no matter whether it's for weight loss or for less anxiety, a new job, a bigger bank account, you want to entangle with those realities by feeling what it'd be like to look at your bank account and see that number. Then say, okay, I'm going to, so they like to say, you know, money has energy. So it's like, 
what is that energy going to do? So you might even go down that path of like, okay, so I see it in the bank account. Okay, so that's going to pay for this vacation. It's going to pay for that car. Assigning the energy to a place is going to actually further that entanglement and that reality. It's, I love it's, that. It's more detailed visualization, really. It's not just about envisioning having it, but it's how you're going to use money in this example. Right. What does it look like to be that person that walks through life with all that money in the bank account? Where do you go? Who do you see? Who do you hang out with? Like, what are you doing with your time? You're just deeply entangling with that reality and pulling it in. And that is what helps you create that new reality. Mm-hmm. I love that word. I think that really sticks with me when you talk about entanglement. I know. It really, it really was so strong for me when I was like, oh, it's just entanglement. That's what it is. Yeah. Hearing it's you like, talk about that was like, wow, that is exactly what it is. And it, there wasn't a word for it. Right. Yeah. And it's this dance with that reality. It's the entanglement. So you can look at it like, how long have I been entangled with that new reality? If it's not long, it's not coming. If it hasn't been intentional, it's probably not going to come. So one of the things that I, I was thinking about is like weight loss. Like, you know, if you want to entangle with this new body, Don't step on the scale and see the number and then go into a tailspin about where you're at. It's important to know where you're at because it starts you in the progress and like you're like, okay, so I need to accept where I'm at and then say, I don't want to be there. Where do I want to be? And then that's when you start entangling with that new reality and stay there. Don't spin out when you're like, okay, the number isn't what I want it to be just yet. There's so much mindset. What do you think about affirmations? Mm, I believe affirmations are great. It's not a tool that I use all the time. I think that affirmations can be a way to raise our vibration, to kick out the things that aren't in alignment with that. You know, like I'm strong or I'm healthy, you know, it depends on what it is. I think those are important, but I think it's more about raising your vibration than anything else. Got it. So the way I look at everything you're talking about, it's almost like reprogramming your brain. You know, I try to do comparisons. You know, I think about a computer and your brain as a computer and you've got all sorts of programs running through your mind, through your brain. And now with entanglement, you're almost reprogramming and you're getting rid of the old ones. How does that work? Yeah. So we have these neural networks that are um, kind of ingrained in our brain until we decide to take them down. So little by little, we are changing the neural networks and taking them down and having a new orientation to the world. What's interesting about how easy it is to change our brain and those neural networks is that our brain does not know the difference between what's happening right now, like what we're doing, versus us closing our eyes and thinking about it. That's interesting. It doesn't know the difference, but I know, especially being a newer person to the law of attraction, my brain sometimes when I'm doing it, my brain is fighting it. You know, my brain's saying, no, you're not experiencing that. Or at least something in my head is telling me, no, that's not true. You're not experiencing it. That's why I I feel like I have trouble a lot of times with visualization. So what do I do? So the research that came out of Harvard is that your brain actually doesn't know the difference and your energy, it can change when you're saying to yourself, no, it isn't happening. Like obviously your brain is smart enough to take that input. But if you just let it go and you play pretend, like you can see that when you see watch little kids, right? They're in a different brain state. They are um, able to really believe that that person's there or that tea is in that cup or whatever that they're pouring. And the same is true out of the, the research that came from Harvard where they asked these pianists to sit down at the piano and play and they watched their brains light up 
And then they said, okay, now go in the other room and imagine playing. And the brain lit up in the same way. And we see this component brought into like sports psychology. And, you know, if you envision taking that three pointer, like over and over and over again, your muscles actually fire. Like they may not be moving, but there's evidence I'm pretty sure out there that the muscles are getting pinged and the body is like remembering basically. Yeah, I, I don't know the details and I apologize, but I know there is a similar study that was done with basketball. Right. Uh, where they had three groups. There was a group that were actually practicing foul shots for a certain period of time. There was a group that were, they just told, don't even think about it. Just take a bunch of foul shots today and we'll get back to you. Come back and don't pick up a basketball until we see you again. And then there was a group that was told to visualize every Every day for that same period of time that the people that were actually practicing that same amount of time they were taking. Uh, and what the experiment found was obviously the people that did nothing showed no improvement. The people that practiced showed, I think it was something like a 22% improvement. And then the people that just visualized was only 1% improvement less than the people that were actually. So it was like a 22% and a 21%. There you go. You know, so really what you're talking about is the power of the mind. So the power of the mind, and we can get into this whole placebo effect uh, because people like, I should say Western medicine dismisses it a lot or explains it away, but it's a really powerful component to healing the brain and the positive thinking, or even just telling yourself that you're going to get better. I mean, they have this research that they've done around people getting sham surgeries like on their knee. And they were told that it was a real surgery that they really corrected their knee. And really all they did was open up their knee and then close it and then told them, Mm -hmm. yeah, that they, they had the surgery and they were doing a lot better than you would expect. I've heard of that other one that you're talking about, about the basketballs, but you know, so you want to think about this, like our brain is so powerful. We can convince ourselves of a lot of different things. Therefore we should, if we're trying to create the life that we want based on the research, it is possible. And I'm telling you like from energy wise, like if we entangle long enough, that will become our reality as long as we believe it, right? Like, so I'm never going to be a fast runner. I I just don't have the body for it. So it's really hard for me to think that I'm going to be a fast runner. But I guess if I were to go and do certain things to my body, you know, if it really was something that I really wanted to, I would have to probably alter my physical body through many things, but we don't even go into that. (laughs) But I do believe that I could start making choices that would align with somebody who's a fast runner. Right. It just right so now it does not seem believable to me. <laughs> right. So along with it being believable, you have to take action that align with it that are driving you toward that. Right. Because we have to see what we want, you know, right. is what is really what we want. It sounds to me as I've been learning this and as I've been listening to you, it sounds to me that this is no different. This kind of practice is no different than if you do want to lose weight or if you do want to get in great shape. It's a practice. You have to continue to strengthen your brain and your mind to really make it take its full effect. Right. So when when we're trying to go for weight loss, right, we want to entangle with that future reality that is of somebody hopefully that's healthy. That's probably your intention for losing weight, right? Mm -hmm. So we're almost like working backwards when we entangle with that because in the current reality, we're going to be like, oh, I'm going to have a shake that's healthy versus um, Big Mac or something like that. Right. We're going to go for a run versus sit on the couch because we're, if we're truly entangled with that new reality, we can feel what it would feel like to be that person and make that choice. So that's where it becomes so clear. And to the point of when we were talking about the sixth chakra and like a lot of people, especially people who are chronically ill, 
use their sixth chakra to sense the energy and then react. So they're in constant hypervigilant mode and it sends their nervous system into hyperactivity and they're not in rest and digest and their body is really just struggling, 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 struggling all the time because they're sensing the environment and trying to react versus telling the environment what is to come or what they want to create. So you can entangle with the wrong reality. The whole point of this is, you know, if we're worry is entangling with the wrong reality is, right. is or the reality that we don't really want. Right. It's Buddha says this, you know, it's wasted creative energy and we don't want to create that reality that isn't working for us. We want to spend time in the reality that does work for right. us. Absolutely. And one of the things is when you are practicing this, I've started to notice you begin to naturally notice when your thoughts are going in the wrong direction. You know, the more that you try to visualize what you want, you start to notice when you are in kind of your automation mode where you're just kind of going about, for example, Amy, I wrote you recently a long email about some steps we need to take to further our progress with this podcast. And as I was telling Amy R, my Amy, As I was writing it, there was a moment where I was feeling really good about it. You know, I was feeling this is really good information and it's being written with a lot of love and care. And I think Amy Stark is going to really accept this and really understand it and connect with it. And then a little while later, as I'm writing, I remember I started stumbling a little bit. I just wasn't sure where I was going in my direction. And then my negative thoughts started kicking in and I started doubting myself and saying, oh, I'm not good enough for this. I shouldn't be doing this with Amy. You know, I, I would get all these crazy, ridiculous doubts, but it was only a moment and I recognized it and I instantly stopped and said, what are you doing? You're doing a great job. You know exactly what you're doing. You're helping somebody get a great message out there. Just keep going. So it's one of those things that I don't think had I not been doing the work, I would have just gone. With You'd have it. believed it. You yes. would have, that's the difference. You had that moment where you were outside of yourself, viewing yourself and saying, oh, look at you. But you came from a place of compassion. And that's so important is just to say, look at you running your programs and believing it. And that's all that it is. Like when you were, we were setting up for today's recording, like you were stressing out about the, you know, the technical stuff because it is, it's stressful. I know that it is. And I kept saying, Mark, it's all good. You know, like just, you know, it'll work itself out. But you were like, I know I'm just in the programs and, and, and that's okay to say I'm in the program. And sometimes the programs serve us, right? They let us be the victim. They let us not have to deal, you know, not change something. We can just freak out. And sometimes we just need to freak out. And, and then we can assess later, like, was that really helpful or should I have probably just like taken a couple deep breaths or whatever or sure. rearranged my thinking? One yeah. thing I want to say that's been really helpful for us is going through this together. I mean, obviously, Mark and I, the fact that we've been learning and trying to evolve and uh, work on ourselves spiritually, it's helped us because when we have conversations with each other, we can catch each other, you know, we catch each other and be like, well, why don't you think of it this way? Or it's really nice, whether it be your significant other or a friend or anybody else, you can share this information with that you can grow and not grow just with share, each other, but show but and experience yeah, it together. Experience it together, exactly. And it doesn't obviously have to be a spouse or a partner. It can be a friend, it can be a colleague, whoever that may be that is connecting with this. It's always better to go yeah. through it with somebody. It's been really helpful. And that's so great that you mentioned that because it is helpful to have somebody who can say with compassion and hold space and say, look at you, like you're trying and I know you are. And here you are believing the lies that we all believe, you know, because of programming trauma 
experiences, whatever, but it's not in alignment with our future reality. And so I, I sometimes get in arguments with my partner because I'm like, that's not what you want. Why are you saying mm-hmm. that? And she's like, you can't talk to your clients like that. I'm like, but you're not my client. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I love you and you know me and like, you know that I'm just going to give it to you straight because right. like, I know you can handle it. And you know, it's coming from a loving space. Right. And actually it was like a little bit of a fight recently with us. And and I was like, stack the evidence, fan, for all the times that I've told you about your programs in a very nice, loving way. <laughs> like, don't focus on this one time where we were coming home from like a party and I was like, that's bullshit. That's your program. Like, that's yeah. not what you believe. And she was like, but it is what I believe. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm not perfect, fun. obviously. That be fun. <laughs> It's so hard. I feel so bad for her sometimes. I'm like, hey, uh, so are you working on that or not? <laughs> are we ever going to get her on the podcast, Amy? I don't know. We'll see. I She's always been very private, but we'll see. I've asked her a couple of times if she would, and she's like, mm. um, <laughs> we'll see. She'll get into it. I want to interview her. Right. You should I actually interview her and just be like, what is it like to be married to Amy? Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I would love to hear that. I should not be in the room, obviously. No. <laughs> But anyway, um, well, you know I, what? She gets the perks with the yeah. Well, you know, time. so there's so many times that there are perks. Like uh, even if she's just laying right next to me, sometimes I'll wake up and be like, I'm exhausted because I was healing you all night, and I didn't mean to. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was healing you all night long. I can't wait. To and she's like, Yeah, that. likely story. She didn't believe me. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Come on, you know, you know that's true. Like I was. Right. Um, and she's like, I know. I don't know how she deals with me, honestly. It's got to be pretty special. Oh, thank you. I I find that I am really special, but I also can be really (laughs) crazy sounding. (laughs) So she's rolled with it though. It's cute. Well, we love you. This has been really helpful for Mm -hmm. me, I know. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so loving doing this. So thank you. All content provided by Amy Stark and her guests on the Ophelia Podcast website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, were created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist. 